you know, the Korean American church, like a lot of churches really in general, can, you know, be a place where we end up performing, right? Instead of a place where we can be broken. And I always kind of hated the irony and the hypocrisy, you know, of that aspect of church culture. I think it's really one of those like formative experiences that have really motivated my commitment to normalizing mental health conversations in church spaces. I think if my own family um, had exposure to a church culture that tried to break stigma and make it okay to seek help, then, then my family wouldn't have felt so alone. From Hope Made Strong, this is the Care Ministry Podcast, a show about equipping ministry leaders and transforming communities through care. Supporting those in your church and community not only changes individuals' lives, but it grows and strengthens the church. But we want to do that without burning out. So listen in as we learn about tools, strategies, and resources that will equip your team and strengthen hope. I'm Laura Howe, and welcome to the Care Ministry Podcast. On the show today, we're going to be talking all about the mental health movement that is happening in the Korean American churches. Mustard Seed Generation is a leading part of that movement, and they are a nonprofit that provides cultural-specific training to increase the mental health literacy of Korean American churches, families, and youth. Now, I want to share this with you, uh, both because I want you to be able to access this resource. They have so much on their website site and it's phenomenal people there. But also if you are not a Korean American church, I want you to be able to hear the uniqueness or the creativity or the passion that is behind this project. Because really every single community holds within it a specific kind of culture. I grew, I live in a farming community. I was gonna say I grew up, but I kind of still live here. (laughs) So I live in a farming community. And we are about two hours away from Toronto. And so uh, we are having this influx of different cultures that are joining our farming community. And so it's a really unique uh, situation that we're in. And so if I am able to listen in and learn from Mustard Seed Generation and learn how I can see the strength, see the values, lean into these cultural uniqueness of my community, whether it's farming or the Dutch community or the the Persian community or the Asian community, then I will hope that my church will be more effective in in supporting those who are seeking, um, seeking support and help. And so I think it's really, really valuable for us to learn from different communities, different cultures and different churches to see what they're doing. And so that's what I hope this episode is for you. I learned that 33% of Korean American churches struggle with depression and mental health problems, but yet uh, Korean Americans are three times less likely to seek professional help than white Americans. And that is a huge, huge difference. So Mustard Seed is taking action. Mustard Seed Generation, they are taking action. They are passionately creating safe spaces and offering community networks or counseling networks. They are offering resources and tools and a community for Koreans to who are want to build a community and they want to support those silent sufferers in their churches. Through training church staff and volunteers and leaders, Mustard Seed Generation has the opportunity to impact over 22,000 people, and they are just getting started. Their training has happened uh, less than 10 times, and they've already had the opportunity to impact 22,000 people. So I really am excited to share this resource with you because it is phenomenal. 
what Mustard Seed Generation is doing is an example that so many of us can follow. They lean into what makes their community unique. They're looking at the strengths. They're aware of their barriers. uh, And they develop incredible resources that are laser focused on building culturally uh, relevant mental health literacy in their churches. They see how the Korean American church is a safe place. It's home for so many people. It's a trusted community. And so they are bringing the training and opportunities for healing directly to this community. My husband and I, uh, we recently were on vacation without our children. It was the first time in about eight years that we had a week away together with no kids. And oh my goodness, it was so wonderful. Love my kids, but man, was that time away wonderful. We walked a few kilometers down the Grand Canyon. We rented our four-wheeler and went off-roading in the desert. We enjoyed incredible show of stars in the sky preserve while staying in an off-the-grid dome. It was so cool. But as amazing as it was, about six days in, we were ready to get home. And it was funny to think about what makes home feel like home. Well, we mostly missed our kids. We couldn't stop talking about them, even though the time away was lovely. We missed our friends. We missed our family, the connections, and of course, the familiarity of our house. Eating out was amazing. Though I can cook, I prefer not to. So I love eating out every night. But it was amazing and really interesting that eating simple spaghetti dinner our first night back with our kids around the table, listening to their chatter, it just seemed, the food seemed extra good. Uh, It just seemed so special because we craved home. We craved the people. We craved the environment because we're needed, because we are created to, and, and we need connection and to be in relationship with other people. And having safe relationships is a big part of what makes a place feel like home, what it makes what makes it feel safe. Jess Cho Kim, she talks about finding this sense of home and community in her story of being a first-generation Korean American. She shares that when her family moved to South Korea, to Ohio, she was really young at the time, uh, but she recalls living in a community with very few people who looked like her or had similar traditions. She felt like an outsider at school and in their neighborhood. However, her parents were believers, and it was in their Korean-American church that she felt like she was home. She felt like she belonged, and that became the center of their community and their home. Jess shares that this is a familiar experience for many Asian-Americans. Their church becomes the center of their community because it's where similar values are held or where their traditions are and where people gather that have the same background, that look like them, that sound like them. This is an oasis of community in the middle of what is feels like a desert. Jess shares that this idea of the church being a space to grow mental health literacy uh, for, it seemed just logical for the Korean-American church, uh, but it came with challenges. Because while the church invested in her and helped her develop her deeper relationship with God and with Jesus, like many of us, there was also some hurt there. I think when I got to graduate school, mm-hmm. you know, from a master's degree in social work, that's when I really started to think more critically about how to provide mental health interventions for Asian Americans. Um, because, I mean, let's face it, most don't ever make it to a therapist's office. And, you know, I knew even then, this was like 20 years ago, that I I knew it had to primarily be through the church. Mm. I remember writing about this, you know, in my final paper. Why is that? Because that's such a salient place for Korean Americans. That's where we 
that's where we hang out. That's where we are on a regular basis. It just seemed organic to me that that would be a place where interventions could be accessible in a, in a place that didn't feel foreign, you know, to, to my community. Um, but so this was an idea that I had, you know, early, earlier on in my career, but I knew it intellectually, but I think it uh, would take many more years for me to be able to really integrate that because I had a complicated relationship with the church, quite honestly. I mean, church had been um, a place of learning that Jesus loved us and died for us, but it was also a place of deep hurt too, Mm -hmm. in many ways. And it's a place that I associated with judgment and shame and social comparison and all these other, you know, kind of uglier things. And so emotionally, I don't think I was ready to integrate mental health and faith spaces until I had done some more healing Mm. uh, of my own with the church. And that healing um, has been a slow process. Mm. What has helped you through that? Because I think many people who are listening have also had, myself included, almost this dual relationship with the church, that it's a place of hope, it's a place of community, but it's also a place of hurt and confusion. And so how did you go through that process? Yeah, you know, honestly, it uh, it started when my husband and I just got married and we started attending a church together in Korea. We were actually living in Korea because, long story, he was a, an army physician. We got stationed there, but we were going to a church uh, in Korea and the pastor explicitly said one Sunday that he welcomed everyone who was in attendance that morning, especially those who had been hurt by the church before. Mm. And I was like, whoa. And he deeply lamented. And on behalf of the church, he was like asking us for our forgiveness. And he was crying. And he said that this was God's design and that it was up to the church to repair these harms. And I remember that Sunday and I wept and I was like, whoa, like I didn't even realize that's what I had been holding Mm -hmm. and carrying around until you just said that. And, Mm -hmm. and I needed to hear that. And so I think, yeah, that was really the start um, of what started to help me to feel safe in church again, um, to have the pastor just call it out like that. And so I started getting more involved. We joined a small group and then you know, we started doing life together with people who, um, you know, became very close friends who I still cherish today mm-hmm. from miles apart. So that really was how that journey of healing started. I love that because so often people are afraid of um, exposing mm-hmm. what wrongs they may have done or been a part of or contributed to or 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 are members of. And, but really that is such a beautiful story that, um, being vulnerable and, and owning and being genuinely and compassionately open to reconciliation and, and being on a journey together for healing brought you in it didn't it exposing uh the hurt and and pointing out the hurt didn't push you away but it actually made you more comfortable and brought you in I love that yeah I just I, yeah I feel compelled to give a shout out to Pastor David <laughs> Wong Dave Wong from Jubilee Church thank you for that I don't even know wow. if he realizes he impacted me in that way wow yeah, yeah. 
what is said from the pulpit, I talk about this in the spring, I offer a mental health Sunday resource, encouraging pastors to talk about mental health from the pulpit. And I just, I just, that is so impactful when from the stage as a leader, you share your heart, you talk about these issues, it can, it can change the course of families, it can change careers, it can change lives. And I think that's so awesome. Love it. Love it. So that was the beginning of your healing journey or, or recognizing, wow, there was hurt there and, and, and finding that healing. Mm-hmm. And you said you were over in Korea. Um, tell me, um, this kind of started when I asked about your connection with mustard seed generation and, and where that work began. So that's fantastic that, you know, vulnerability, um, brings healing, not pushes people away. Uh, in your own life, in your own family experience, were there opportunities or were there moments that impacted you on a personal level or maybe a loved one or someone you're connected to around mental health? And I, I ask this not to pry or to be, but to, because I'm genuinely curious, because for my life, that was a part of how I got into mental health as well. And you did mention there that uh, people are often drawn into this field because of their personal experience. So how is that for yourself? Yeah. So, um, you know, I have a sibling who has struggled with mental illness since high school. Um, And so I saw firsthand, you know, how that can really impair the life trajectory of a young person, you know, especially somebody with um, a promising future, you know, very vibrant and talented person. And and I know what that's like when um, you and your family don't have an understanding of what's going on and what's happening. I know what it's like to feel like you're without the resources that your family needs. I know what it's like to not have the culturally appropriate services to help navigate those crises. you know, and I also um, saw how church was the last place that my parents felt they could share what was happening with mm. our family, uh, you know, unless it was something positive or something you wanted to like, you know, uh, brag about, you know, right. like, or like, you know, just got this award or, you know, so, um, you know, the Korean American church, like, like a lot of churches really in general can can, you know, be a place where we end up performing, right? Instead of a place where we can be broken. And I always kind of hated the the irony and the hypocrisy, you know, of that aspect of church culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think it's really um, one of those like formative experiences that have really uh, motivated my commitment to normalizing mental health conversations in church spaces. Because mm-hmm. I think I think if my own family um, had exposure to a church culture um, that tried to break stigma and make it okay to seek help, then then my family wouldn't have felt so alone. Mm. Yeah, the and one I know place that you felt minds. most comfortable. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know a lot of people can relate to the stigma or the shame that comes from churches, but perhaps I'm wrong. But uh, is the Korean culture? Um, even more so have stigma around mental health or maybe beliefs that uh, that are not uh, helpful. Can you go into what may, that would be about the the cultural impacts that around Asian and Korean churches? Yeah, I mean, and I and I think the stigma is is you know kind of universal, you know, yeah. to to so many groups. You know, it's not just Korean Americans, but. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I would say Koreans definitely, and I hate to generalize here, but we struggle a lot with saving face. We struggle a lot with perfectionism. We struggle a lot with projecting this, you know, image. I mean, it's South Korea where we're like, uh, we're leading um, in, in plastic surgery in the world. I mean, I think that actually is a metaphor for some of these um, underlying, um, you know, cultural tones that, yeah. that you find um, and just having to be perfect all the time. And so I think it's very hard for, for Koreans to be vulnerable, um, but I think we're getting better at it. I think um, we're starting to see more mental health discourse, um, more acknowledgement of what it means to take care of ourselves. Uh, we may not call it mental health all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, there's different words for it. Maybe we're more comfortable with words like well-being, let's mm-hmm. say. And that's fine, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, but, you know, we are getting better at it. But yeah, it's it's definitely been an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Definitely. And thinking back, if it could have been different, what would the implications be on your family and the hundreds or thousands of other families if if church became safe places for people to find support? Well, I think for one, it would really help with this pattern of delayed help seeking. Mm-hmm. That I Tell me more so- about that. Yeah, I mean, delayed help seeking, you see this a lot in, in the literature um, in Asian American mental health. We actually see um, people waiting for um, uh waiting after they've consulted church leaders, after they've consulted their friends, after they've consulted their relatives, you know, everyone else except mental health professionals. And they wait so long that these symptoms exacerbate to a point of crisis where Mm -hmm. things have worsened beyond the point where they really needed to. And by the time Asian Americans, including Korean Americans, finally do access the mental health system, oftentimes you're seeing very, very severe symptoms. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like the rates of uh, emergency room visits um, presenting with psychotic symptoms, for example, are much higher, interestingly, among um, some Asian American groups than in the general population. And that's because we wait mm-hmm. so long before finally seeking help. And so that's a really big problem because it complicates treatment, you know, it makes it harder for people to recover. It takes longer. And mm-hmm. so that's why these things are so urgent. That's why it's so important for us to uh, make mental health care accessible in places where people naturally convene so that they can have access to care earlier on um, and, and reduce these recovery times. And I think that really would have made a difference in, mm-hmm. in my family's case as well. For sure. For sure. I'm thinking of churches who are saying they're agreeing with you. Absolutely. We want to be a place that people feel safe that they could come to. But uh, there's a pushback or or a, a hesitancy to go all in because they're like, we're not mental health professionals. We are not um, equipped and have the capacity to care for people to in, in those crisis modes or in those um, acute situations. So how, what can we do? Like, how can we, what, what would be the interim or, or what would be available to churches? Because people are coming to churches unwell or seeking support and they feel churches often feel overwhelmed. Yeah. So, I mean, in my own church, I attend a predominantly Korean American church right now, and I felt compelled to start a mental health ministry in my own church. And, you know, initially it was met with a lot of resistance, like a lot of skepticism, like, what would that look like? What do you mean? You know, <laughs> this, 
this, you know, this, you know, we're mm, boundaries, we should really separate, you know, mental health from church, and it can get complicated and get sticky. But, um, you know, and that was a process in and of itself, just convincing um, our leaders around this. But finally, we got um, a couple of people on board, and we're able to start a mental health committee um, a couple of years ago. And it started um, little by little by doing, you know, um, a small group, um, just opening up a safe space where there was no Bible study. It was, there was no curriculum. It was just a space where we could come and be and share. And it was private. And we all understood that we weren't there to um, fix each other. Um, we didn't have to feel pressured to have answers. Um, we didn't have to feel bad about sharing what was going on um, and fear that maybe our problem isn't that important or it doesn't compare to this person's crisis or, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, that we could just acknowledge we're all here and nobody's problems are are bigger or lesser than mine. And we can just be and we started to slowly build this space up and it became a weekly space uh, that was really useful, especially during the pandemic when mm-hmm. we're all isolated Um and I think our, our congregation slowly started to see uh, the utility of a space like that and started to have a little bit more buy-in. And then we started to slowly partner with um, Christian counselors. And then we started to subsidize counseling. And then we started to invite guest speakers. And and slowly this um, the ministry has started to build. And we're a small church, you know, less than 100 people. And and yet we were able to do this. And so I just really want to encourage uh, your listeners who are even thinking about doing this, that it is possible and it doesn't have to be so grandiose or ambitious. Just just start with like mm-hmm. a small group of a few people who who think this is important enough. Mm. I love that. Just because you're small doesn't mean it's not going to be impactful. Yeah. And and I love that you did it in a way that made sense for your group. Some churches or some people want the curriculum, or some people are looking for an awareness group or psychoeducation versus support, or maybe a Bible study. Like people are, your community will, um, might your community needs might differ. And I love that you just started with where your community was at. Like there was no pressure, no, didn't have to have like this, you know, five page proposal. But it was just connecting and building community. I love that. We didn't have to have all the answers from the outset. And and to your point, yes, those needs are varied even within the same church. And so we make it a point to do a needs assessment every so often to keep getting feedback from our congregants about what it is that they want, what's relevant to them, what topics are they looking for, what would be useful for them right now, what format, how frequently, you know, all these things so that we can continue to keep adapting, you know, as our congregants needs are adapting. I love that. Oh, Hey, and that's a really great idea for a future podcast need how to do a needs assessment in your church or giving Mm. a download for that. Oh, idea. I'm writing that one down. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Is this how you, is this how the idea around mustard seed generation formed or um, where did, where did that concept or where did that organization develop from? You know, Mustard Seed Generation was founded, oh gosh, I wish I knew the year off the top of my head. I want to say about 15 years ago, it was founded by uh, Dr. Josephine Kim, 
who is actually a, prof a professor at the Graduate School of Education at Harvard, and she's still a board member now. But she started this in response to the Virginia Tech shootings. I don't know if you remember this mm -hmm. a long time ago. The shooter was actually Korean-American. Okay. And the community was like, whoa, what the heck is going on? And didn't even know how to begin talking about this. And so she responded um, to this you know, call for more awareness and dialogue around this. And I think it started in the form of a conference and um, kind of um, expanded and then sort of, um, I don't want to say fizzled out, but you know, she was very busy and she was a one man show and it, you know, she had other things going on, but I think it re recently kind of resurrected um, back in 2018 uh, with a group of um, graduate school uh, students from the graduate school of education under her mentorship. Um, and they decided to um, see where we could take MSG. And so that's sort of when I, um, got connected with them back in 2019. I had found out about them when a professor actually told me about them, uh, someone who understood my research interests and um, thought that I might be interested in connecting with them. And I was so excited that there was this faith-based nonprofit that was focused on Korean American mental health. I thought, oh my gosh, I never imagined that there would be other people uh, just as passionate about this as me, you know, let alone an actual organization that was committed to this. So I was hooked instantly. I felt like I had found my people. And so I just started, you know, donating. I wanted to know how I could get involved and, and the, and the rest is history. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. that's so exciting. I'm excited to hear more about it. What is Mustard Seed Generation? Oh gosh. Yeah. So you know, it's Mustard Seed Generation is a is a faith based nonprofit. Mm -hmm. uh, we're committed to eradicating barriers to mental health for Korean Americans specifically. You know, and we have a lot of resources, which you know I'm I'm happy to elaborate on. But the one resource that I really want to highlight, especially for your listeners, um, is our virtual mental health training program for Korean American church leaders. I'm um, so excited. I didn't even know that's what you were going to share. <laughs> I was on your resources list looking at them all. I was like, there's so many good ones. But then yeah, yeah, this, no, this one gets me really right. excited because this is yeah. what churches are looking for. Exactly. Um, so it's a it's a seven week training program. It's made up of both asynchronous video modules with um, lectures on various topics and then synchronous small group discussions. Okay. You know, all led by mental health professionals. So it's about two hours a week for seven weeks. Okay. And it's for anyone 18 years or older uh, with any kind of ministry role, you know, serving Korean Americans. We're talking about pastors, elders, deacons, you know, small group leaders, Sunday school teachers. Um, and the video modules are subtitled in Korean. Okay. And and then participants um, can choose whether they want to participate in discussion groups in Korean or English, you know, whatever they're more comfortable with. And uh, the video modules cover topics like the intersection of Korean American Christian mental health. You know, why why that even is relevant together as a thing, you know, breaking stigma, uh, working with adolescents, right? 
uh, marriage and divorce, depression and suicide, self-care, like really super relevant topics. Mm -hmm. The discussion groups are also helpful because you're like learning alongside other Korean American church leaders all across the country, um, actually, and and internationally, because we've had people log in from from abroad as well, um, who are facing similar challenges with their congregations. And so the discussions are very organic. You don't really know what's going to come up, but people are sharing what's going on and and they're learning together. And so that's also, you know, really helpful for people. And um, in addition, we've also started to offer tailored follow-up consultation to churches after they complete this program. I think that's Ooh. what I talked to you via email. At first, I was on my way to Portland to uh, to do a church um, retreat for their church leaders who had just completed this uh, mental health training program and wanted more, uh, more in-depth kind of follow-up conversation about how exactly to do this. And so we followed up with a few more um, seminars for them over the weekend. And that was a really awesome experience as well. So so I'm excited to share that resource and, and your listeners can find out more about that on our website, mustardseedgeneration.org. Yeah. And we'll make sure we link to that in the show notes and have any of the direct links to the course and all, and all of that information. So for the, those who are interested in the course, um, what is, what is the, is it edu- education around mental health or is it equipping them to start a mental health ministry? Is it uh, for, for people with lived experience? Who are, what is kind of the outcome of the group? So all of the above. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I'm so glad how you like laid all that out so beautifully. Yeah, I mean, for sure. It's for people. Uh, so, I mean, we're targeting the audience of Korean American church leaders. But let's be honest, a lot of Korean American church leaders also have lived experience yep. with mental health issues, right? And so for sure, it's a space for people to feel seen, to feel understood, to have people talking about things that maybe they haven't heard people talk about before. And so there's a lot of healing in that. And we're hoping that people have that kind of healing just by participating in the training. Mm-hmm. And it's also the education piece that you talked about, you know, for them to have uh, real information, you know, facts, definitions, vocabulary, language, you know, we really want to uh, boost the, the we call it mental health literacy, right? To, to give people the knowledge and the tools to know what we're talking about, you know, what these terms even mean uh, and, and what to do in certain situations, how to respond, right? To people who are going through certain situations, certain crises, uh, what to say, what not to say. Um, and also, as you said, how to start a, a ministry in your own church. Actually, one of the modules, I believe it's module six, I want to say, is about how to start, you know, a mental health ministry in your own church. So I would say it's it's a multi-prong um, approach and, and training, and, and we're hoping that people can benefit um, on all those levels that you mentioned. Is this course available for free? Is there a cost to it? There is a cost to it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It sounds really in-depth and and really helpful. It's kind of a a one-stop shop as far as mm-hmm. developing and, and learning. So I totally understand that. Yeah. You know, it's, and, you know, we, we say it's valued at much higher, but we want to offer it at a reduced rate mm-hmm. of, um, I believe last time I checked, it was two ninety nine. dollars yes. um, per individual. However, you know, we understand that that is a real barrier for a lot of folks um, who would like to 
uh, take advantage of this. And so we do offer scholarships for people and we encourage people to apply for that. And we're, we don't want that to be the reason why you're not able to access um, these resources. So we encourage anyone who's interested to please reach out to us. Yeah. I'm sure there's going to be people listening that this is the first time they've heard of it. And they're kind of having that aha wow moment that you had. There is somewhere out there that is specifically focused on Korean, American, mental health and faith. Like the the Venn diagram of that is is beautiful. Um, And they're pretty excited. Where can people find out more information, get involved, donate or support um, this ministry? Yeah, so our website is mustardseedgeneration.org, and all of our resources are there. There are a ton of resources in addition to this mental health training program. There really are a lot. Yeah. I was looking at it earlier. Yeah, we have a um, a bilingual online directory for uh, different states across the country offered in English and Korean. We have um, past webinars that we've done on various topics bilingually as well. Um, we have social media on, we're on Instagram at MS generation. If you want to look for us there, we even have a podcast, right. That we can, um, help connect, um, listeners to that. We really like distill the latest mental health research articles that are specifically about Korean Americans. Mm -hmm. And we also host a summit for Korean American mental health professionals to come and network together, to share resources together. So we're really trying to do a lot and we hope that you can take advantage, you know, of all of it. We also have a white paper that I want you all to read. Oh, fantastic. Um, It's on the website as well. That is awesome. I am so excited to learn from you and hear about this resource. I hope that this uh, provides support and help for the churches out there to to develop this and and find something that is culturally relevant and current. And like you said, you are showing and, and building things off of the latest research. That is that is so amazing. Uh, I'm curious that if you could go back in time and send yourself a voicemail or or a, back in the in the early 80s. So uh, maybe that is just like a page or no, <laughs> a text message <laughs> or a letter. What would you what would you tell your 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 younger self, knowing what you know now, when you are you know, just beginning and thinking about where do I belong? Where do I fit? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know where to begin. But to keep it short, I think (laughs) I think I would say it's okay to ask for help. You don't have to have all the answers, even though it feels like it. And uh, that because nobody knows what they're doing. It's not just you. (laughs) Oh, that is so true. (laughs) It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Laura. This has been great. Thanks for listening. Your church is the center of your community and can be a place of healing and support for so many people. What reaches people in my community or Jess's community might not work in yours. And that's okay. We are created to be unique and everyone has a a unique culture in their community. But the point really is to consider how your church is equipped to support those in your community. If you're a Korean American church, I highly recommend connecting with Mustard Seed Generation. They have church training courses. They have a community of people that will support you as you build a mental health ministry. If you're not a Korean American church, but are looking for training resources or a a community that will join and walk alongside you as you lead your church's care ministry, 
then I welcome you to check out the resources I have at hopemadestrong.org or even book a call with myself. I would love to jump on a 15-minute discovery call and hear about what need you and your church has. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and I hope you have a fantastic week. Take care.